If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you can go ahead and jump into uh, 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 2. We're actually going to finish the chapter out today. So chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. See if I can, uh, oh, this doesn't move up for me. Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. I'll read it for us. Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural man, or natural person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you just pray with me briefly. Father, we need your help today. As the text says, we need the spirit to understand the depths of God. And so, Holy Spirit, would you enlighten our hearts and minds to see Jesus, to understand your wisdom, and to apply it rightly in our day-to-day. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me, let me start with just a question, okay? Let's get us started here. Have you ever found yourself reflecting a culture when you're within a new culture, right? Maybe it's like picking up an accent or maybe you've picked up some slang in a culture when you're in a culture for a bit. Anybody like that? You start talking in the accent, you know, it's like they're like third day in in London and they're like, they're speaking the English accent. I don't know. Anybody do that? Or maybe it's, this is you. Maybe you jump in on a trend um, that's gaining popularity, right? Like for some of us, that was high school. You guys remember high school? I don't know if anybody does, right? High school, you know, when everybody starts wearing like their jeans a certain way and you, you start wearing your jeans a certain way too. For me, it was the tuck and roll. Anybody remember the tuck and roll? No, maybe it was Northeast. I'm from the Northeast originally. Maybe it was the Northeast thing. But that was like 1994 or so. We used to tuck and roll our jeans. It was really popular. You would you'd kind of fold the bottoms. You'd roll really tight. And that was the thing. And I, I jumped all in on that. I remember that trend. Or maybe, maybe it was the mom jeans. Is that still a thing? I don't know. Like mom jeans became a thing. I remember the really wide leg jeans era. I mean, man, I was in that too. And man, you look at those pictures. Like, what was I thinking? The really wide legs. Or, or even worse, maybe, the skinny jeans era. And you're like, Sam, you're wearing skinny jeans. These are not skinny jeans, okay? They're 5'11s. But man, I got into the skinny jean era, and I have to confess, like in my 30s, I was in Chicago actually, you know, riding my bike through like Wicker Park with my skinny jeans, the skinny jean era, right? 
Or maybe it's the cargo pants. Remember the cargo pants? Like these are the pants with the really big pockets on the side. You could kind of fit like a laptop computer in if you wanted to <laughs> before cell phones were a thing. In fact, I remember uh, wearing those like in 1997. That was a thing. It's funny, my boys, you met Malachi. We have twin boys. They're 17. They work their own job. They make their own money. They went shopping the other day, and they, they came back, and they said, hey, we got, we got our fit. That's what they call it. We got our fit, and they take pictures of their fit, right? And they came back, and you know what they came back with? Cargo pants. <laughs> I'm like, guys, there's nothing new underneath the sun. It's just a new trend. It's not a new trend. It's the same trend that's coming back. Like, I was cool in 1997 with the exact same pair. It was cargo pants, and what's those shirts? Um, what do they call those shirts? Uh, rugby shirts. And they had a rugby shirt. I had the exact same outfit to a T from American Eagle Outfitters like years ago, 20-something years ago. But you, you get the point, right? We're trendy people in my nature, whether it's pumpkin spice lattes, our hairstyles, our music, or fashion. We tend to follow trends a little bit, don't we? <laughs> we get influenced by trends or by culture. And listen, all the examples I just gave are what we would call gray areas, Right? There's no right or wrong to wearing mom jeans or skinny jeans, right? Like Pastor Rafe isn't likely writing an all-church email today on a theology of jeans. <laughs> but listen, listen, y'all. There are some, some trending ideologies, right, that are worth writing an all-church email on or preaching a sermon series on, amen? There are some ideologies that will, that will bring chaos and pain, and confusion, and division, and spiritual darkness. And Paul here is kind of writing an altar's email to the church of Corinth about some ideologies that had begun to creep into the Corinthian church that were the very antithesis of the way of Jesus, right? Paul wrote this, this letter to the church of Corinth because they were swimming with the current of the culture more than they were living out the upside-down way of the kingdom, they had begun to allow the wisdom of the age to influence them more than the wisdom of God found in the very cross of Christ. And all sort of bad fruit was a result of that, right? In the Corinthian church. Divisions, sexual immorality, corruption. So Paul's aim of this letter, right, is to redirect them, to reorient them around what is good and true, and to remind them of who they are and what they have in Jesus. That's his aim. And listen, I believe that we need the same aim today in Chicago. I really do. Because we too, we too can be tempted to go with the flow of culture, right? We too can be shaped, maybe more than we care to admit, by the wisdom of the age. We too can find ourselves struggling to discern between what is the wisdom of God and what is the wisdom of the age, and so often I think it's really easy for us just to kind of hit cruise control, right? And we find ourselves often kind of adrift like a, like a swimmer in the ocean who's been pulled by the current far from where we begin in need of a course correction. In a word, discernment is needed. Discernment is this idea, this, this ability really to distinguish between what is good or evil, what is right, what is wrong, what is, what is true, what is false, what is of God and what isn't of God. And discernment is on some level a lost art in our time, isn't it? Right? In an age of clickbait and constant scrolling and quick reactions and immediate gratification, 
discernment often is kind of put on the back burner. And Paul here is going to remind the Corinthian church to distinguish, to discern between some things. He wants to remind us to do the same today. So, So let's jump in, okay? The first thing you see in that text that Paul reminds and wants the Corinthian church to distinguish um, apart from each other is the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the age, right? He wants them to know that the wisdom of God is not the same as the wisdom of the age. Look at verses six through nine. First Corinthians two, six through nine. Paul writes, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not, right, distinguishing, it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But in contrast, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified Jesus, the Lord of glory. Paul says, hey, we want to impart wisdom to you, but, but not the wisdom some of y'all have been kind of eating up, right? Paul knows that some of the Corinthian church have been applying the wisdom of the culture to their lives, and it's been kind of showing a little bit. Right? right, in the city of Corinth, you guys have probably learned and studied throughout the, the uh, series so far. In the city of Corinth, there was a cultural wisdom that existed. It was a city known for corruption and immorality and sexual openness. And it was filled with idolatry and many, many belief systems. And the Corinthian church was, was just swimming with the culture. And because of that division and corruption and immorality, And all sorts of bad fruit had been showing up now in the Corinthian church because they had been applying the wrong wisdom. In other words, they were reflecting the culture of Corinth more than they were reflecting the culture of the kingdom of God, right? And listen, guys, it's easy to look back at the Corinthian church, which was a very messy church, and throw some shade at them, right? But we can fall into the same error today, can't we? Right? We, too, can begin to apply the wisdom of the age to our lives. But hear me out, okay? The wisdom of the age cannot dance with the wisdom of, the age, uh, of God. The wisdom of God cannot dance with the wisdom of the age. Like, they're completely not compatible. They are opposed. The wisdom of the age, for example, says, put yourself first. Look out for number one. You do you, right? The wisdom of God says, put God first and then others. The wisdom of the age is often confusion. The wisdom of God is truth and light. It exposes darkness, brings clarity. The wisdom of the age says to demonize those with whom we disagree. Right? The wisdom of God says to love our enemies. The wisdom of the age uses fear often to control. The wisdom of God says perfect love casts out all fear. Right? The wisdom of the age says either A, you don't need saved, or B, you can save yourself. And the wisdom of God says that you do need rescued, and God alone through the cross of Christ can save you. Can you see the distinction? Right? So Paul here draws a hard line. He clarifies here. He says that the wisdom and the rulers of this age are actually doomed to pass away. You see that there? They're doomed to pass away. In other words, he's saying, hey, they're not going to last They will stand before God one day and they will be judged accordingly for the wisdom they threw out there. The wisdom of this age, Paul's saying, is trendy. It changes with the wind, but Jesus and his kingdom never change. They remain the same, are the one constant in our lives. And we actually don't have to look far to see this as a reality. Corinth, 
didn't last as a city. In fact, you can visit the ruins of Corinth today. It did pass away with its rulers, didn't it? What about our current cultural uh, reality? What about our current way today? And I gotta be honest, it, it feels that at times in America in 2022 that we're on the cusp of a national breakdown, right? So often the left and the right are pulling us different ways and it's shaky, right? Hebrews actually says that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But so often it feels like we're on this cusp of a national breakdown to wisdom of the age. We are often divided, right? Violence and corruption has only increased in our nation, in our city. Agendas are being pushed that only cause generational confusion. Morality and kindness and unity and hope don't seem to be on the rise. So perhaps, no matter what you believe today, let me just say this, maybe it's time, can I just encourage you to, to step back for a moment? Maybe to hit pause and step back and say, hey, God, would you align us to your wisdom and way? Because things aren't going well. Can you, can you show us your wisdom and your way today, right? Because this is, this is Paul's hearts for his readers. And it's his heart for us today as well. He speaks, right, of a secret and hidden wisdom of God, one that is completely upside down to our cultural wisdom, one that is ancient yet it's timeless as well. And one, he says, that cannot be understood by the who's who's of the age. In fact, Paul goes so far to say that, that none of the rulers in Corinth, in the Roman kingdom during that time, none of the rulers of this age, he said, understood the wisdom of God. He says they understood that they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, he's saying the wisdom of God goes completely against the very grain of human wisdom, so much so that even the smartest and even the most powerful people of his time cannot understood it. They could not understand it, nor would they have thought it up, right? He's saying it's this wisdom of God that I'm introducing to you, that I'm reminding you of, is on a different league than the wisdom of the age. It's, it's not a human-constructed wisdom, which brings us to ask a question. As I'm reading through this text, I like to ask questions of the text. I'm reading it through. I'm like, all right, Paul, I see it. I see that you're, you got a clear distinction between two things here. You get the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the age. But how can I understand this wisdom if it has such depth to it, right? How can what is hidden, you said it's a hidden wisdom, how can it be revealed if it's hidden? Paul gives us the answer if you look in your text, if you keep reading, look at verses 10 through 13. Paul writes, these things God has what? Revealed. He's revealed to us through the Spirit. He says, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but in contrast, the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Paul says, listen, the only way, the only way in which this hidden wisdom can be revealed is through the Spirit of God, right? 
And his reasoning here is really helpful. I don't know if you picked up on it. He says that if you want to know a person's thoughts, then you need to be them. Did you see that? Right? At the end of the day, only you know what you're thinking. Like, sir, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know if you think about the Bears game or the text. I have no idea. Right? Only you know what you're thinking at the end of the day. Right? Only you. I can try my best to analyze and to figure out what you're thinking, but I can't with assurance know. Paul says that in the very same way, if we understand the wisdom of God, then we need God in us, right? We need God in us. Listen, if God's wisdom is higher than ours, and it is, then we cannot as humans, let alone sinful and broken humans, understand his depths, right? I mean, can we just be honest with ourselves for a minute, guys? Like, most of us, I mean, maybe I'm talking about my generation, but a lot of us anyway, man, we can't even like figure out how to change a tire without YouTube's help, right? Like we need YouTube's help. That's like, man, that's me all the way. I, I YouTube everything because I'm not a handyman and I still struggle. And if that's true, if I struggle with the depths of tire changing, then how can I expect to be able to discern the very wisdom of God with my limitations, right? Now, I don't say this to discourage us, but to lift our eyes to the one, to the one who's able to give us the wisdom we need. We need, listen, we need something outside of us, y'all. We need someone on par with God himself. And that's what Paul reminds the Corinthians of. He says, we need the spirit. The spirit is from God. The spirit is God. The spirit Paul is referencing is not, he says, the spirit of the world. He says, there's a spirit of the age, but he's saying, that's not the one for us in Christ that we've received, the one that is opposed to God in his way, the spirit of the age. No, he says, we have a spirit. Paul wants his readers to understand that if they are in Christ, then they have received the very spirit of God, the very spirit of God, right? Did you see the contrast there in verse 12? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, and the soul that, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Like, just sit there for a moment, right? The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the very, the very spirit that fell on the, the early church in Acts 2, the very spirit that planted the gospel of the kingdom all throughout the known world during Paul's time, is the very spirit that God has given us so that you and I who are in Christ might understand the good news of Jesus, who is the very wisdom of God. Amen? Listen, family, what Paul's getting at is this. We are not alone in understanding the wisdom of God. We are not left alone. We are not put out on some island somewhere just kind of feeling our way out to understand the very wisdom of God. No, we have been given the greatest resource imaginable the spirit of God who reveals the wisdom of God. And can I just say like just two things in light of this? Okay, number one, if you're here today and you are not following Jesus, maybe you're intrigued, maybe you're just leaning in a bit to say, who is God, who is Jesus? Maybe you want to understand the wisdom way of God. Can I just say this, that the only way, listen, the only way you can do so is by receiving the so-called foolish message of the cross of Christ that they've been preaching about here the last few weeks. That's it. It is only by accepting that, that you need saved and that Jesus' sacrifice for you is enough for you to be saved. Only then will you receive the Spirit of God who will then help you discern and understand the wisdom and way of God. 
And God wants to give you that today freely. If you're not in Christ today, he wants to give that to you freely today. And number two, if you're in Christ today, you have the spirit of God residing in you right now, right this moment, right now. How often do we forget this day to day, right? That we have the spirit of God dwelling in us to, to teach us and to comfort us and to convict us and to remind us and to empower us, right? And Paul wants the Corinthians to remember this and God wants us to remember this today as well. So what Paul's gonna do next in the text is he's just gonna drive this point home a bit further, okay? Right, thus far he's made a distinction between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the age and now he's made a distinction between the spirit of God and the spirit of the world and now he finishes with a distinction between the natural and spiritual persons. Right, you see that in verses 14 through 16. It says this, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly or foolish to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul reminds his readers here of this huge concept. And I don't think we said on this concept enough. I think we struggle to, to understand it sometimes. And here it is. We who are in Christ are no longer mere mortals. I know that sounds kind of otherworldly, like a sci-fi movie, kind of. But, but hang with me for a minute. Paul's last movement in this chapter is to remind his readers that they are no longer just a natural being because a natural being, he says, cannot understand the things of God. But rather, because we have the Spirit of God, who is God himself dwelling within us, we are now spiritual persons. So, so what he's doing is he's distinguishing here between the spiritual and natural. He's saying, hey, listen, the natural person, person just on their own, living just within their, their body in this world, just on their own wisdom, they cannot discern spiritual things. It's, it's an impossibility for them. They can't get it. But when you have the spirit of God inside you, it's almost like a light bulb goes off, right? I remember following Jesus at age 24. That's when I started following Jesus. A light bulb went on and I saw everything differently because the spirit of God began to dwell within me. Right? He says, when that happens, you become a spiritual being in that moment who doesn't just live only in the natural. You know, we still live in the natural, but it's not just in the natural anymore. And listen, I think so often that we live within the natural in our day to day, that we forget that not only do we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, but the implications of that, right? Like, I know I do. As I walk throughout my day, I'm not usually thinking about how I have the Holy Spirit in me and how I'm the spiritual being walking down the sidewalk in Chicago. But Paul wants us to remind us of this reality. And so he concludes with a very, very powerful phrase. See there in verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Imagine that for a moment. If you were in Christ, you have the very mind of Christ, Right? Because you have the spirit of God within you, your day-to-day -day and my day-to-day -day doesn't have to look the same anymore, right? Imagine if we just stopped and reminded ourselves of this reality. This is really what the Paul wants the Corinthian church to get. He wants them to know that they don't have to keep living in the ways in which they're living. 
that they don't have to be confused and living in the culture's way, that they don't have to feel as if they have no power over sin in their lives, that they don't have to give in to the wisdom of the age because they have the very mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Think about this for a minute. The mind. The mind is where we process information, right? The mind is where we make decisions. The mind is kind of our controlling hub. It, it leads us. The mind is powerful. It's actually where ideologies are both born and then fed, right? So this should cause us just to hit pause again for a minute and then ask ourselves, what then are we filling our minds with? What are we filling our minds with? What is leading us? Is it the mind of Christ or is it the mind of the culture? It's been said before that what you become what you give your mind to. You become whatever it is you give your mind to. And I can't help but check myself when I read this text. I mean, Paul wants the Corinthian church to check themselves. He wants to reorient them. He wants to remind them. He wants to redirect them. And as I'm reading the text, I'm like, man, Sam, what are you filling your mind with each day? Right? How many hours a week am I filling my mind with the wisdom of God and, and the words of Christ? And how many hours do I fill my mind with meaningless things on social media as I stroll? So I got to ask myself, right? Or how many how many hours are I allowing lies and misinformation to come in that begin to reshape me slowly into the ways that don't reflect Jesus? And this is something all of us must face to varying degrees, right? Because we live in an informational age, right? And it's only skyrocketed with, with cell phones and smartphones and Wi-Fi. In fact, Barna, which is a research company, recently put out a report that found out that Christians generalizations here, okay? But Christians spend around 2,800 hours a year consuming digital content, but only 153 hours of that 2,800 hours is Christ-based content. Now, listen, I don't, I don't say this to shame us at all, because I'm, I'm probably in that camp too, in some degree. It's simply, it's simply just a wake-up call for us to, to reorient around what matters most at the end of the day, right? To realize that we are in a war for truth, and that what we give our attention to the most will indeed shape us the most. This was the Corinthian church's dilemma. And maybe it's ours. Maybe it's something we gotta wrestle with. So again, let me say, we are not mere mortals. We do not have to go with the flow. We can be empowered in such unique ways to go live in our communities and our family to bear fruit of the spirit, to share with boldness the good news of the gospel. We are ambassadors at the end of the day, sent by God. This is who we are. Paul wants to remind them who they are and whose they are. Like, how can we remind ourselves of this every day, church? Right? How can we start our days with this? I have the very mind of Christ because the Spirit of God dwells in me because I have trusted in Jesus and the wisdom of the cross. Reality. I get the wisdom of God because I have the spirit of God and I have the mind of Christ to live that out day to day. Like what a game changer if we reminded ourselves of this reality every day. So, so let me leave you with this, okay? We are always being invited to receive the gospel, always. We are always being invited to put our trust and our faith in Christ alone and to submit to the spirit of God who then gives us the very mind of Christ it's an open invitation. We have access to the mind of Christ. It's something we cannot earn. It's something we cannot accomplish or buy. It's, it's a free gift we receive. 
And listen, as we receive that gift, then we walk out the Christian life, right? We daily make the decisions to, to fill our minds with the things of Christ or we can fill our minds with other things. That's what kind of Paul's getting at in Romans 12 when he says, do not be conformed or shaped to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our, our minds, right? Our minds. Because listen, even if we have the mind of Christ, even if we've been forgiven by Christ, we can begin to drift away from the, from the things of Christ by putting in our minds and hearts that which is not the way of Christ, right? We can begin to walk away from whatever is true and good and beautiful. This is what Paul reminds the Philippian church of in Philippians, right? He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Put your mind on these things. And listen, if we don't intentionally think and put our minds on these things, we can easily begin to drift away from the way of Jesus. So listen, as we receive the free gift of salvation, which is what it is, and the free gift of the Spirit, and the free gift of the mind of Christ, now we walk in it. And can I just encourage you today, as I close, can I just encourage you to do so in really two simple ways that have depth to them? This is just for pastors, this is for anyone. Number one is this, open the scriptures, right? Sounds simple, it is, but there's depth to it. Open the scriptures. The, the words of Christ are the mind of Christ, right? They have come directly from the mind of God into the very pages of scriptures. And as we read the scriptures, what we are doing is we're continually washing our minds and filling our minds with the words and wisdom of God. So listen, we have, to, we have to begin to prioritize, all of us, to, to get into the word, to make it a priority, because if we don't, again, we will slowly allow other things to fill our mind and shape us, and even sometimes to, to tempt us to have new identities. But when we are in the scriptures, we are, we are reminded of who our true identity is in, amen? So can I encourage you to open the scriptures, to find the space to do that? Maybe that's in a group, Right, a small group, or maybe that's with someone reading one-to-one -one through like discipleship pathway or something. Perhaps that's on Sundays when you're opening a word together. Or, man, Pastor Rafe has started this thing called the Academy, which I think is brilliant. I love this idea. It's a way to be equipped to, to, to come and learn and, and fill your mind with the things of Christ, to be able to discern like the way and wisdom of God in a kind of a classroom environment. But find ways to open the scriptures throughout the week. Number two, open your lives. Like, open your lives. Like, if we are in community with other followers of Jesus who also have the mind of Christ and who also have the spirit of God, then we will sharpen one another, right? We will be a remnant of people kind of like that, that together discern all these different ideologies that are coming our way throughout the week. When we live this embodied life together, we can collectively reflect the mind of Christ together. In fact, I remember a time um, a few years ago, uh, when I chose not to listen to the voice of the community that God had placed around me, chose not to. They didn't tell me no. I was, I was trying to make a decision as a pastor and leader about to bring on a, a, a staff member. And um, they didn't tell me no, but they, they warned me that if I brought on a particular leader onto the team, that it would be a risky move. They had some red flags, right? And they said, hey, Sam, we trust your decision. 
And I decided to bring this person on. This person, this leader represented our vision in, in many ways. And what I, looking back, what I chose to do is I put, I put vision over health. Vision over health. And a year later, it completely backfired for us. Completely backfired. And probably for the next year plus of ministry, I had to lead my family and our congregation through some really hard times. And looking back, I believe that the people of God that surrounded me were led by the Spirit of God as they represented to me the mind of, mind of Christ. And if I would have just allowed that to shape my decision, I would have saved myself and others a lot of pain. I say this just to, as an example. Like We truly need one another in community to reflect the mind of Christ together the wisdom of Christ together, to build one another up into full maturity. That's one of Paul's aims, is the idea of maturity. Right? He reminds Ephesians, the Ephesians church of that, Ephesians 4, that we need each other so that we all grow into the fullness of who Christ is, that we need one another. And he's going to remind, actually, the Corinthian church next week, chapter 3, he's going to show that one of his aims for the Corinthian church is this idea of maturity. They're a very immature church. and They're living like infants, he says. And he wants to bring them along and we need one another. We need to open the scriptures together. We need to open our lives so that we might reflect and collectively grow in the wisdom of God and in the mind of Christ. Amen? Let's finish with this, this final thought. And guys, in, a, in, a, in an age, in a day, when ideologies and agendas of all kinds are, are showing up to our doorstep every single morning we wake up, right? Through a phone, through a conversation, through community, whatever it is. And these agendas and ideologies seem to be trying to shape us or sway us. May we be reminded today, may, may this be a takeaway, that we are not alone. God has not left us on our own to figure things out. That God, like through the life and through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, has given us his wisdom. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his mind. He's given us his word. And he's given us one another. Paul says in Romans 8, for to set the mind on the flesh or the world is death, but to set our mind on the spirit is life and peace. Amen. May it be so. Maybe so. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful that you did not leave us alone. We are often confused. We are tempted to be swayed. We live in a, in a challenging time. And as followers of Jesus, we really want to be in your will, to follow your way. We want to be shaped by your word and the mind of Christ. And we need you. Can we just say, we need you. We can't do it alone. We want to be under the lordship of Jesus. We want to be under your word so that we're shaped. We believe that your word and your way is the best way for us to live. And yet we fight and we struggle and we fall. And we need your word and your mind. Would you, Holy Spirit, fill us today with the mind of Christ? Would you, would you connect us to people that way? Well, maybe we need, maybe somebody here needs to be connected today, to be in a group, to meet someone. Would you bring somebody alongside to sharpen and help shape them, to encourage them? May you use Pastor Ray from the team here to continually proclaim the good news of the gospel of Christ, whether it's through groups or sermons or the academy, or discipleship pathways, or organic meetups. God, we need you. We thank you for what you've given us. We receive it freely and ask you to continue to help us grow and mature.
for the glory of Christ, for the good of all peoples. In Jesus' name.